This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. What a week it's been in the Premier League. Roman Abramovich has decided it's time to sell Chelsea Football Club. What does this mean for the future of the Stamford Bridge side? And what will the players be making of it all? We'll get to grips with that on today's show, as well as measuring up the Manchester derby. United have been good on City's patch of late, but with the title race potentially at stake... There's more than bragging rights to play for as Liverpool watch on with a beady eye. And it was bye-bye Bielsa earlier this week too as Leeds United waved adios to their legendary manager. Can his replacement Jesse Marsh put an end to the wretched form which sees the Whites nervously looking over their shoulder? All of that to come on today's episode of The Dugout from Sports Social, the Premier League podcast featuring former top flight players. My name's Niall McCorn and with me on the show today we've got former Brighton, Leicester and Southampton midfielder Dean Hammond. Hello, Dean. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well now. Very well. Like, well, apart from a, a bit of a cough, but uh, we're, we're via Zoom, so we're all right. So, yeah, I'm all good. Thank you, mate. You, you sound very husky there, but I think it's adding something to the to the tone of the show. I think I prefer it, if I'm honest. Yeah. We've also got ex-Wolves, West Ham and Norwich winger Matt Jarvis with us. How are you doing, Jarvo? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, uh, nice and comfy in the chair again. Yeah, he's got the best chair ever, um, Matt Jarvis does. I, it's, honestly, it's orange, it's winged. I don't know how else to explain it. It looks absolutely class when he sits in it. Um, it's the best thing about him coming on the show. No, I'm joking. That, that's, that's, that'd be unfair. Um, what I will say, though, is I think this could be the best-looking uh, pundit panel we've ever had on the show. <laughs> like, we take that, Absolute <laughs> like, boy band material going on here. Um, anyway, big news from a Premier League perspective this week. And there's been a few massive stories, it has to be said, across the top flight over the last seven days. But we have to start with the news that Roman Abramovich has announced that he is willing to sell Chelsea Football Club. He's been there as the owner for nearly 20 years. He's got through 15 managers, 21 different trophies, including multiple Premier Leagues and a couple of Champions Leagues. This is massive news for Chelsea and their fans, Dean, and of course for the Premier League as well in a wider context. What was your reaction when you first saw the statement that Roman Abramovich has decided that he could put the club up for sale? Surprised, if I'm, if I'm totally honest. Um, I think he's, like you say, he's been there 20 years now, I think. He had huge success. Uh, it's almost like a family at Chelsea. Um, the, the, the first statement came out that he was going to hand it over to the, to the trustees and give control to them and stay part of of Chelsea Football Club and then within a couple of days the, the football club was was up for sale so from a football point of view he's done brilliant things for the Premier League he's done brilliant things for Chelsea transformed them as, as a football club um, and you have to congratulate him for that so I was surprised if, if I'm totally honest and it'll be interesting to see where um, where this goes and if it's possible for him to sell the football club because I was reading some reports today and you know, he's not going to give it away. He's not going to give it away cheap. And I think there was reports of he wants £3 billion for it. Um, and But then looking at it, um, Man United is only worth £2 billion, So will he get £3 billion for it? Who will have that money to, to buy it? Who will want to buy it? Um, 
it's a brilliant football club that you know they're they're the European champions. Um, they're one of the best teams in Europe now. Um, got a really good history from from when he's been at the football club. So I was surprised, if I'm totally honest, because like I say, you have to congratulate him from a football point of view of what he's done at the football club. It's been really exciting. You mentioned they're 15 managers, but they've won the Champions League. They've won the Premier League. Um, they've got a bit of a unique system there in terms of the amount of players they buy and send them out on loan and build a business behind the scenes and that. The academy they've got um, is a fantastic academy. They've built up the training ground. Um, but the, I suppose one stumbling block for him and Chelsea has been the stadium um, and probably not been able to redevelop that. Um, so that could be a stumbling block for a, a new investor coming in. So it will be very interesting to see where, where this goes and um, if he sells it, who buys it uh, and what happens to to Chelsea Football Club moving forward. I think you're right, Dean. There's not very many people that could afford to buy a football club to the tune of £3 billion. But what I think it's worth mentioning, it's something we said earlier on this week on the podcast, was that you know, in terms of someone who could possibly buy Chelsea Jarvo, they're not buying a club like Newcastle, who you know do need a bit of work. They've got the infrastructure there in terms of the fan base and the stadium, but they're fighting relegation. They're probably going to take a few years to get up to speed with... Um, with what they want to put in place. But if, if you go and buy Chelsea, you're buying a club that, is, as Dean says, European champions. They've got a top quality manager. They've got all of these players that are still world-class players. So it's not like whoever comes in and takes Chelsea off of Abramovich's hands is going to have a real project on their hands. It's almost like a, a ready-made, fully functioning, top-class football club ready to go. <laughs> That's what you think, yeah. Um, the, the hardest bit is is for whoever comes in and buys it, it's going to be a little bit like Fergie at United. You've had so much success, someone's going to come in and then is it all going to be as easy? You know, the, the, the way they handle their transfer policies since Abramovich has come in has been incredible. There's been no paper talk about anything. They go in and they get the player straight away. There's no two, three weeks in negotiations. It's right, we want that player, it's done. And that's how Chelsea have, have sort of... Sort of carried on since they started with Abramovich that's been their transfer philosophy that's the way they, they've done things and someone to come in to be able to as you know for fans looking at it thinking well Abramovich loved the club like he he he, he did everything it was like a passion it wasn't just a business for him he, he was pumping so much money into it as well like each year we're buying new players managers coming in you know this is a lot a lot of money that's going to have to be kept on going and and whoever's coming in is going to have to have the similar sort of mindset of how they want that club to run because it could could go very different. We know the reasons, or at least we think we know the reasons why he's decided to sell Chelsea. Those aren't things we'll be getting into on today's episode of The Dugout. As we mentioned earlier on uh, on the podcast this week, it's certainly something that is intertwined with football. Politics will always be there. Whether you think it should be involved in sport or not is out of the question. It, it always is there. And that kind of rears its head when we're talking about this situation as well and Abramovich's decision to sell Chelsea. But from a from a more footballing perspective, which is what we're going to focus on on today's show, there's no doubt, as you've both said, he's been absolutely crucial to Chelsea's success over the last two decades. But as former Premier League players yourself, what I wanted to ask Dean was how this situation might affect the players. Now, the announcement dropped a couple of hours before kickoff in their FA Cup game against Luton um, earlier this week. They ended up winning the game 3-2, but it wasn't easy for them. And I don't think it would have been even had there not been a statement. But what would the players be going through in terms of how they feel about this situation? Will will there be concern? What do you think their mindset might be with it with it all? Well, I think it will affect them, to be honest, Now, because... Um at the effect that he's had on the football club and their, their, the close relationship that he, it seems that he has with the players. You know, Matt's mentioned there that the love and the care that he has for Chelsea, and I'm sure he's had that with the players as well, and they, they've built a, um, a relationship together. Um, it'll have an effect on the players because you're, there'll be uncertainty with the football club now in terms of what direction is the football club going to go in. What happens under a new ownership? Will there become a new manager involved? Will that inc- include new investment? Um, does that include a new sporting director, a new chairman? So there will be discussions. So that it's obviously a distraction for the players, 100%, because it's in the press and it's a talking point. You know, 
how will that affect in terms of a new investor coming in? But also, how will it affect if the club isn't sold? You know, because Roman Abramovich now will think, well, I'm not going to put any more money in. You know, I can't do anything with this football club now. I'm not going to put any more money into the football club. So then will players have to be sold? You know, what are the ambitions for the football club? The players that have signed four or five-year contracts to to sign for Chelsea who are going to be competing in the Champions League, going to be competing for the Premier League, will that suddenly change? You know, will the squad be reduced? Will the wage bill have to be reduced? Well, you, you can look at the um, people that are out of contracts as well, like Rudiger and Christensen, you know, that they'll be looking at this situation thinking probably is the right time for us to move on because they just don't know, like you said, with the uncertainty. It's, 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 a, it's a really tough and interesting um, decision because... You know, Roman Branch has got the want to sell it and it's whether he can or not. It's whether he will or not. And I think that's the that's the talking point, if I'm totally honest. Slightly different to when you were at Brighton in your early years, Dean, when, you know, the club were kind of uh, struggling financially and dealing with administrations. And, and much like when you went to Southampton as well, you've mentioned that when you went there, that was shortly after new ownership had come into the club. So albeit this is on a, a different scale with Chelsea and uncertainty over ownership, what is that like from a playing perspective? What's the feeling like in the dressing room? How can off-field matters affect on-field matters? Well, in terms of Brighton, when we was always fighting off administration, there's always fear of around the, the transfer windows. You know, what players are going to be sold? Will the manager leave? Um, and it, it's difficult. You know, your, your preparation was always difficult. When... When I was at Brighton, you know, we never had food after training. You know, some games we wouldn't be able to stay over hotels. We'd never fly to a game. It'd always be by by coach. Um, you know, simple things like our training kit wouldn't get washed. We got given two or three kits and, and that was it and we had to deal with it. And then on the other scale, when I went to Southampton under new ownership, when I signed there, we were on minus 10 points. But there was real ambition at the football club. There was real excitement. The club was spending money. So there was a pressure because there was an expectation, but a good pressure within the dressing room. There was an excitement of where can this football club go? Where can we reach? What Can we get promotion? What players are we going we to sign? So uh, Brighton was more of a distraction. And I would say at Southampton was more of an expectation and more of a pressure uh, individually and collectively because success was demanded. You talk about pressure and is that something you felt, Jarvo, because you were Wolves' first signing under new ownership. So did that come with a bit of pressure for you with having that tag of being the first one to come through the door? Um, I didn't feel the pressure of the first signing, um, no. Um, at the same time, you know, the, the because he was, he'd just taken over, it was the whole new, this is the new era, this is the new Wolves, that scenario. But there was plenty of players that came through the door but it was more about, um, at the time, was Mick McCarthy getting a team together that was sort of hungry and that was uh, all had the same mentality of, they, you know, a lot of us hadn't played at the top level. So we we're all desperate to get up there and do it. So the pressure was on ourselves to know that the new owners have come in and, and you know, they've got some money to spend. And, and then that comes with the expectation as the fans and, and everything that comes about with it. But... As far as myself and that first signing, no. I mean, that came more when I signed for club record at West Ham. That came then. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. I'd leave you to, to discuss that one, Jarvo. <laughs> Chelsea have made plenty of those over the years, by the way. How significant do you think this could be for the Premier League moving forward um, as, a, as a whole, Jarvo? Will Chelsea continue to be a force when Abramovich is gone? You, you suggest yes with all of the... The, the assets they've got with the players. But again, kind of going back to what Dean says with the transfer windows and what you said with players out of contract, it's almost a bit of a, a stab in the dark at the moment, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, Dean's spoke about it. They've got everything there at their disposal at the minute. They've got a great um, you know, youth system. They've got a great facilities. They've got their transfer, the, the, the way that they do their transfers in the past. They've got so many young, talented players. They've got, you know, a fantastic squad of players at the moment. Um, it's just about how they go about. Is it going to turn into more of a business than a, I suppose, than a love affair that um, Abramovich sort of had with with the club and was forever wanting to it to keep improving and to keep you know if a manager wasn't working then that was it they were out someone else was coming in and and they they had to move the club forward. So it 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 all depends on business I suppose with who, whoever comes in or or when they come in. 
um, of of that situation of right, can we can we afford to do this? You know, there's loads of financial fair play guidelines and everything that's going to come in, and it's only ever going to get harder. Uh, and um, you're looking at the other teams in and around them; they're they're all improving every single season. So you've got to stay at the, the top of your game. Well, as we've seen with Newcastle United recently. Often selling a football club isn't a quick, speedy and easy process. So I do wonder what the situation will be with Chelsea and Roman Abramovich over the next months, maybe even years. Who knows how long it will be on the market for. Dean's right. He's looking for a big fee of around £3 billion for someone to take Chelsea off of his hands. Of course, we'll keep you posted on the podcast with all of the latest when it comes to Roman Abramovich and his sale of Chelsea. But that'll be it for the first section and we'll get stuck into this weekend league action next. There's a massive game in Manchester City versus United. We'll talk about it after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Welcome back to The Dugout. This is the podcast featuring former Premier League players. I've got ex-Wolves, West Ham and Norwich winger Matt Jarvis and former Leicester, Southampton and Brighton man Dean Hammond alongside me. And it is a huge game in the Premier League on Sunday afternoon. A 4.30 kickoff at the Etihad Stadium where Manchester City welcome Manchester United. The Manchester derby is always a huge game for bragging rights in the city of Manchester. But this game has implications in the title race too because Liverpool will no doubt be cheering Manchester United on this weekend, Dean. Well, it's interesting for, for, for Liverpool. You know, they would have been supporting Everton last weekend when they were playing Man City and they'll be supporting Man United <laughs> this weekend. So, look, it's a huge it's a huge game for, for Man City. It's a huge game for, for Liverpool. I think Liverpool and Manchester City are there the best two teams in Europe, um, the best two teams to watch, fantastic players and it's so exciting and I think Man City are favourites, if I'm totally honest, I think they've been brilliant this year but they always seem to have a little bit of a wobble this time of year, almost when the, the Champions League's coming back, I think they get distracted and I think that's their main focus, they want to win that Champions League um, as much as they possibly could and I think they've got a real opportunity this year to do that. Um, but Liverpool are in fantastic form and they're just putting results together and you know Man City lost uh, against Tottenham um, last week Um, they drew at Southampton um, not long ago Um, so they can be beaten Um, this will be an interesting game but you look at Man City's squad they're the the players they've got it's frightening really and they're great to watch but again Liverpool of of Stremford you know Diaz I think has come in and been an excellent signing really really has so I think this will go right to the wire um, they've got each other to play as well. So I think if Liverpool can get close, that game when they play each other will be really, really exciting. Yeah, that game's not until April. And actually, Liverpool play West Ham this weekend in the Premier League. We'll talk about that game a little bit later on in the podcast. But it's all shaping up to be a really exciting end of the season. For Manchester United fans, though, Jarvo, we kind of joke that Liverpool will be watching this one with one eye. But if you're a United fan you're in a pretty uncomfortable position because you want to finish in the top four. So you want to beat Manchester City, not only to finish in the top four or try to, but gain bragging rights. But in doing so, you could hand the title advantage to Liverpool, who are on 19 league titles. United are on 20. So there's this whole kind of subplot with who's going to win the most leagues over the course of history. So it's a bit of a weird one if you're a United fan. <laughs> Definitely a weird one. But I think that the thing for United is they have to, they have to finish in the top four. 
that has to be their goal. Otherwise, it's commercially that everything about them is gone. You know, they they need to get this top four. So it's imperative that they that they do well against City, which is is it, they've got a great record, yes, but the inconsistency that they're showing at the moment when some weeks they've 20 minute spells where they look fantastic back to their best and then the next minute they they can't defend they're not stopping crosses they the midfield's gone gone there's no creativity and it's it, it just Jekyll and Hyde all of the time so this is um it's it's one that they they look at they want to beat their rivals they don't want to beat their rivals because Liverpool get the advantage but ultimately they they they're on a bit of a poor run as well they they're not performing well they need to get back to winning games and there's nothing better than winning against your arch rivals I think with Manchester United in the last game a nil-nil against Watford at Old Trafford very disappointing no doubt with Watford in the relegation zone and United aiming for the Champions League places they would have wanted to win that and they probably should have won that but they had so many opportunities Jarvo to do that I think they had a ridiculous amount of chances in that game they just couldn't find the back of the net when you're going through a spell like that as a team what does it take to to get that monkey off the back? Is it just simply you need one to bundle in off of someone's backside, or you, you need a bit of luck and own goal? Is is that the, the the what you're looking for to kind of take that pressure away? And once you've got one, then you can think right, okay, we've we've managed it now. Definitely anything, but you you say that they've had that in the past few weeks. The Alanga's come out and scored, and you think right, that's going to kick them on, and that's going to spur everything, and then it just goes again. Yeah, they've had the few that they they've got the goals, and then you know you think right. Here we go. It's going to be back to the United of old. You know, Ronaldo's going to hit the, you know, going to start hitting form again, and yeah, it's all going to be hunky dory. But it's just not the case. They need to start being consistent, and even if it's like one nils, you know, grinding out results. But fans want more. They expect more. Um, and <laughs> you know, the nil nil against Watford. Yes, they played better. They created chances, but ultimately. If, if that was Man City, they would have won one nil. They have players in their team that, well, so do United, but City, they've got four or five players that are match winners. And when they're struggling, it's nil-nil and they can't find something. Mares will score, Sterling will score, De Bruyne will do something. And these players are stepping up every single week. And that's the difference at the moment with, with your cities and your Liverpools to compare to United. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And you're right to pick up on Manchester United's record at the Etihad. It's been pretty good in recent seasons, but they have been patchy on the whole this campaign. Let's not forget that despite the fact they are in pole position for the top four, Arsenal are a couple of points back and they've got three games in hand on Manchester United. So arguably it's Arsenal's for the taking that, that fourth spot. I mean, we talk about derby matches, Dean, and, and how they can be unpredictable. And sometimes you can almost cast it off the form book and say it doesn't really matter when you go into these games. But let's just take the derby element away for the time being. You'd expect Manchester City to beat Manchester United on the whole. If you take it on face value and all of the other emotional elements out of it, City, you'd think, would be good enough to beat United this weekend, particularly at home. If you take it on form, current form, um, you take it on this season, yes, you, would, you, would, you wouldn't bet against Man City winning this game and, and probably comfortably and with ease, if, if I'm totally honest. If you look at Manchester United, they're just... When you play Man City, you've got to be really good without the ball. You've got to have a really good intensity about you. You've got to be really organised and be very, very effective defensively to give yourself an opportunity to beat Man City. I don't think Manchester United can do that. I really don't. I think they're very open. They try to press, but they don't press as a team. They press individually and they get cut open and there's gaps. And the team that exploit those are Man City. With the players they have, the technical players they have, and the way they can find those passes in between the midfield, they're going to cause Manchester United all sorts of problems. So personally, I can only see one winner here. You know, there will be more emotion to it because there is a derby and there's bragging rights and it does have an effect on the game. But if you look at it, um, if you just look at Man City v Manchester United and the teams, I can only see one winner because of the quality that Man City have got. And it's a big opportunity for Man City to put a massive statement out to say, look at us now, we're the biggest club in Manchester. You know, we're going to go on to win trophies. We're going to continue to win trophies. And Manchester United, I fear for them in this fixture. I really, really do because I just don't think it's clicking. I think the manager's come in and done okay, but there needs a big change. And I think it's a mentality change. I really, really do. I think this could be a heavy defeat for Man United. I really see that this weekend. I think United will be hoping to not have a repeat of what they had 
in the reverse fixture earlier on in the season at Old Trafford where City were comfortably the better side and you know against Liverpool there are other rivals where they were absolutely demolished at Old Trafford that was um that was that was not a, a savoury day for, for Manchester United fans. Um, and those two teams, they've got obviously City this weekend and Liverpool coming up soon as well. So be interesting to see what happens there. Someone you picked up on earlier, Jarvo, was young Anthony Alanga, the 19-year-old Swede who's been brilliant for Manchester United recently, really shown some, some true potential. And Ralph Rangnick, the interim manager at Old Trafford, said something interesting when he came in. And that was that young players on their first contracts are the hungriest players and sometimes some of the best players to pick. Is that something you can relate to from starting your career at Gillingham, getting that first contract, breaking into the first team and thinking, right, this is my time? 100%. I think you, you look at it at face value, it's because you've got no experience of, of the, you know, the missing the chances and the booing of the crowd or, or any of the, this is a high pressure game. All you've got is excitement. You've got your willingness to, to run and do whatever you possibly could for your teammates because you've, you've never experienced that. You've got the hunger, you've got the desire, and you've just been given an opportunity to play in the first team at one of the best clubs in the world. You're, you know, if the manager says run there, you're going to run there. You're going to do whatever you possibly can to stay in that team. It's a couple of years later. I mean, you, we talk about Rashford at the moment, but you look at his first few years playing in that first team, it was electric. You know, the, the enthusiasm to chase back and defend the the pace that he had to go forward, the desire to score goals. That's what where Elanga is now. And you just got to keep that. And it's hard as a young player to, to do that. But I can only relate to when I, you know, for instance, when we we're at Wolves, like I, I mentioned to you before, but I'd never, you know, this first sort of time we, we were all playing in the championship and we all had that desire as a, as a group of players. There was a lot of us, all young players, never, never, none of us have played in the Prem. We had a couple of really good older pros, like Jody Craddock was in the team. But we had that desire and willingness to to really try everything. And, it, and if we weren't playing, we were actually wanting the team to do really well and win because it benefited everyone. And we wanted to get into the Premier League. I feel like that's why these young players like Langer, they, they're just desperate to do well for themselves, but also for the club. They know they can feel that. They can feel that. You know, it, it's, it is right that I think the youngsters, when you're playing, they've got no fear. So you just go out and give absolutely everything. Yes, you might not have... You know the, the qualities of other players or whatever. You've got that desire and work ethic and and, and excitement and enthusiasm to go and do it. I think that's what what um, you know that's what he's got to, on his shoulders. Yeah, definitely agree. And he scored some big goals for Manchester United as well, hasn't he? Recently, is that something you can relate to in any way, Dean? Sort of that idea that Rangnick mentions of these players on their first contracts being the ones that are most willing to put themselves out there and prove that they're. They're worth the, all of the hype, I suppose. Well, it's just that opportunity because, like like Matt said, you you play with that freedom. You you kind of that vulnerability that, that you don't think about the pressures or the expectation. You just go out and play football for what it is, and there's a there's a real excitement in in your play. And yeah, I can relate to that when you get your first opportunity. You just you're so keen to do well. You're so keen to impress the manager. You're so keen to impress your teammates that you'll, you'll do extra, if I'm honest. You'll work even harder um, and you'll try things and you you get a little bit more leniency from the crowd as well because you're a younger player coming through and you feel that as well, uh, which, is, which is great and probably only empowers you uh, as a player. But it's definitely that freedom, you know, and you can see it in his play, the way he's playing, the goal he scored against Atletico Madrid when he came on and he, he made an impact. And the manager's right. And do you know what it usually... usually if you're an older player, you can you can breed off that. You can feel that, and you can that makes you more energized and gives you a bit more. Okay, I like this younger player coming in. You know, he's giving us more energy to the team. You know, let's lean on him. So I think it can work both ways. And if you've got experienced pros within the group, they can help the younger players as well. So I remember when I was coming through, you just wanted to play football, and you were just excited, and you felt the buzz of going out to the crowd. There wasn't that pressure and that expectation, and He's been brilliant for United and I think the more experienced players at United are feeling that pressure at the moment. So they need the younger players like himself coming through. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Dean, was there ever a moment in your career, maybe just just one point in a game or a game in general or even just a conversation you had with someone where you thought, this is it, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm being a national footballer because, like you say, for Alanga to come off the bench away at Atletico Madrid in front of 70,000 Champions League knockout stages, score an equaliser... 
um, must have been a huge moment for him. And, and I'm sure he was walking on air for the next few days. So were there any moments in particular in your career that you can remember where you thought, I'm actually doing this. This is, this is what I've wanted to do my whole life. I think you were probably <laughs> your debut. I think I remember my full debut. I scored on my debut. Um, and you just play. You, you really play. It's, you don't think about it. You, you're living in the present. You're just playing football. And I think that's the difference. You're not... There's no fear of if I don't play well, I might not get selected or I might not get an up, another opportunity. You just play. And I remember playing on my debut against Ipswich and I just went out and played and just did things. You know, I'd go and get the ball off the back four and, you know, probably try a pass, give it away. Wouldn't It wouldn't affect me. I'd go and try and do it again. And then afterwards, you're getting the congratulations. You're getting uh, journalists that, that want to speak to you and want to get you on the phone. And other players give you a little bit more respect. And I think then you you kind of think about it a little bit more. I think you play your best. When I played the best in my career, whether I was younger, older, more experienced, is when I didn't really think about it. I just wanted to enjoy my football and just go and express myself um, and just play in that moment. And then, like we said, you're not playing with that fear. So definitely my debut, when you realise what you're actually doing and the expectation, you start overthinking, I think that's when you get a few problems as a player. What about you, Jarvo? Did you ever have a moment where you thought, I've made it, yes, this is this is it? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, but I had an experience where I played in the in I played in the FA Youth Cup uh, on like the midweek and then I played in the FA Cup at the weekend. So, so I played in the FA Youth Cup and the FA Cup in the same week. And that was like mind blowing at the time. And that's where you sort of it it, it definitely sort of drummed home in, in me, like this is this is proper football you know you dream as it was a, as a kid to play in the FA Cup and then it, it's reality and, and all of the 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 pros around you are, are making you very aware of how important it is for the club you know as a Gillingham you know to get through to the next round would be huge for the club financially and everything it was uh it was just amazing but like Dean said there's for you for you as a player there's there's no pressure on you at all at that age and that experience you you can just go out and enjoy yourself it, it, it's something that's really refreshing and you'd love to be able to have that for your whole career and for me I was always as a wide player so I'm always the one that you know you're you're expected to do something to a you know get this crowd on their feet or score goals or so it's all about confidence and when you're a young one like that you you just breed off confidence you go and do whatever you want then a few years later or when you start feeling the pressure you then have to just dig deep in yourself and have your own confidence in yourself rather than trying to feed off everyone else. And just finally on Alanga, I, I think he probably will feature this weekend, whether that's from the start or off the bench, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure he'll be involved. One thing that we do know about Alanga is he's absolutely rapid. And that's something you were known for in your career as well, Jarvo, was being a absolutely rapid guy um, across ground. Obviously, he'll, he'll be knowing that running at defences, dragging them out of position, trying to get in behind, closing them down, putting pressure on. Is that something you would obviously have experience with that? So is that something he'll know was, would be a key asset of his and, and he can use that to his advantage? 100%. 100%. They'll be saying to him, running behind every opportunity, you'll scare the life out of them. That's what all I used to do. My first time I ever used to get the ball, I just used to knock it past the ball back and have a foot race. If I beat him, that was me for the day. You know, it, it, he would always have it in his mind thinking, Oh, he's going to beat me for pace, and that's what Elanga will be doing. His his teammates will be like, just keep running in behind. They'll be so scared of your pace. There's there's no one that I know that that played at defence that did not want to have that striker running in behind them. So he he'll they'll all be saying to him, use your energy, get in get amongst it, running behind, and 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 City they'll be afraid of that. Manchester derby this weekend. League leaders Man City against the United side chasing the top four Sunday kickoff at 4.30. But it's not the only big game in the top flight this weekend. Leeds play Leicester at King Power Stay and Liverpool welcome West Ham. We'll talk about those two games next after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is The Dugout from Sports Social. Make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. We are the only show with a brand new episode on Premier League football every single day of the season. No one else will do that for you. So as I say, make sure you hit that subscribe button and you won't miss one. We're going to look at some of the other big Premier League fixtures this weekend now, starting with the Saturday half 12 kickoff, Leicester against Leeds. Now from a Leeds perspective, it's been a, a busy week for them. They've got rid of Marcelo Bielsa. Many were sad to see him go because of the impact he's had at Ellen Road, Dean. But do you think it was the right decision, all things considered, particularly with Leeds' form? I think all things considered, no, I think it's probably the right decision. I think it's a sad decision because he's done a brilliant job at Leeds. You know, he's, he's, he's changed the mentality at the football club. He seems to have brought the players and the fans together. They've had success in terms of promotion back to the top flight, which was a huge thing for Leeds. They couldn't achieve it for many, many years. They had a, a finished ninth place, I think, last year in the Premier League. Really exciting to watch. A unique kind of play and formation and structure to their team. But if you look at recent results, I was looking at the last five fixtures. They've conceded 20 goals in the last five fixtures. Um, some really damaging results. Um, and I've got a lot of respect for Bielsa because he stuck to his values. You know, he stuck to what he really believed in as a coach. And you have to give him respect for that. But, you know, there was call for maybe to adapt a little bit more. I think I read a few articles to maybe respect the opposition a little bit more. And I think when those questions are asked and you don't change and they've conceded 60 goals this season already, it's, it's just too much. And if you look at it, in reality, it took them so long to get back to the Premier League. The owners have looked at it and they just don't want to risk a relegation. Um I don't think that will tarnish his legacy, though, Dean, do you? I mean, I know it's sad the way it ended, but I don't think they'll look back on it, the Leeds fans, and think, oh, what a nightmare that was. No, no, no. I think there'll be a movie, a documentary made on his time at Leeds United, (laughs) because it's it's brilliant. And the respect he has from other coaches is huge. You know, Pep Guardiola speaks about him in in such high regard. No, I don't think it will affect him at at all. I just think there comes a time with most managers, there's a time for a change of voice, a change of tactic, a change of feel around the football club. That would be difficult because I think the players absolutely loved him. Um, and one thing I'd say for him, he's been troubled by the fact that he's not had Liam Cooper, the captain. That's been a problem. Calvin Phillips has been a problem. You know, the pressing game, he's so effective at that and he sets the tone of that. And Patrick, Patrick Bamford, the amount of goals he scored and the hold-up play. So there's been some reasons behind it, but I think just now just needed a change at Leeds United. So I think it's probably the right decision. I totally agree with you. I think with the way that Leeds were away from the Premier League for 16 years to then possibly risk going down back to the Championship again after spending all that time trying to get back up to the top flight just because one manager won't change his style. I think that that's kind of a bit of a stubbornness from him, but I can understand uh, the love for Bielsa and the decision taken by the Leeds United board to, to replace the manager. And the man coming in is Jesse Marsh, formerly of Salzburg and RB Leipzig. Big challenge he's got on his hands at Ellen Road. He's a good coach with a good reputation, but replacing Bielsa won't be easy. First challenge is, of course, Premier League survival. How do you fancy him to get on, Jarvo? We talk about this new manager bounce uh, and how teams seem to react when a new gaffer comes in through the door. Do you think we'll see that with Leeds this weekend against Leicester? He has to, really. If you look, they've got... You know, in as far as a new manager coming in and a run of games, you know, they've got Leicester, Villa, Norwich, Wolves, Southampton and Watford. Them games, they need to pick points up. At least, you know, I say at least, you, it's not your cities, Man United's, uh, Liverpool's. You, they're, they're winnable games and he, he's got to hit the ground running. He has to. Um, the players are obviously... It's going to be difficult because they're going to be gutted that Bielsa's gone. The, a lot of them have got so much love and affection for what they've done for them in their careers. I think the success that Bielsa's done has ultimately got everyone thinking, you know, how 
disappointing their season is this year. Whereas if this was last year, you know, everyone would be still buzzing that they're still in such a good spot in the Premier League. They're they're not in the relegation zone. You know, it, it's just expectation levels have risen so much because of the success that he had last year and, and everything. So new manager come in and has got a lot to do. He's got to pick up the players. What he needs to get some players back fit desperately, as as we mentioned about you know, Bamford, the goals, you know, Calvin Phillips, he's huge for them in the middle of the park. They need to get the players fit, but he's got to have that instant impact. He's got to cheer everyone up around the training ground. You've got to walk in, everyone's got to have smiles. They've got to have that enthusiasm. They've got to go into this game thinking, this is the, the start of our season. We've got to get going now. And Leicester have just started to, you know, turn a corner, I suppose. But it, it's a huge game for them, but they've got a good run of games that he has to, has to get them going. Yeah, I'm with you. And actually, strangely enough, it looks like Bamford could be available this weekend for Jesse Marsh in his first game in charge, which could be a a huge boost for Leeds United. Um, As for Leicester, one of your former clubs, Dean, you took in their game against Burnley midweek and you saw Jamie Vardy return to action and return to the goals as well after about six weeks or more on the sidelines. Could that be the boost they need? Would that be something you agree with? It would definitely help. You know, Jamie has such an effect on, on that group. He's been there for such a long time. Not only in terms of his playing ability, but his mentality around the group, um, his enthusiasm on the pitch, around the training ground. So, And obviously he's a top-class player. He, he came on the pitch against Burnley and made a difference straight away. Him and James Madison came on, both scored, um, and he looked like he was fit, he was ready to go. He looked like he'd enjoyed the rest, if I'm honest. I think he'd actually been away for, for a week or so, so he's had some, some sun to recharge the batteries. Um, but Leicester, in terms of a team... Just looked more organised. Um, there was a better structure about them. Defensively, they looked a lot better. And I think that comes to the fact that I think Brendan's had a bit more time on the training ground with them. We all know what a good coach Brendan Rodgers is. And I think this season, because of the competitions they've been in, uh, because of the situation of COVID and different things of injuries, he's not had that chance with the team to really get his message across as much as he wanted. Um, and Harvey Barnes looked brilliant again. Uh, against Burnley look electric in terms of the way he played and they've got a fantastic squad they really really have so look defensively it's been a struggle for them they've conceded far too many goals where they can finish in the league I'm not sure they're still in the European competition disappointment in the FA Cup but having Jamie back you know he can be the catalyst for them to to finish the season really well and set them up for next year. You played three seasons with Jamie Vardy, Dean, and I think now with that goal against Burnley, he becomes the Premier League player with the most goals of anyone over the age of 30, breaking Ian Wright's record. We discussed him earlier on this week and called him Evergreen. What's he like as a guy? Is he someone who gives off those kind of vibes when you're in training and and in games together? Yeah. Yeah. He's electric. <laughs> he's full of energy. He's a bundle of energy. He's per- that's his personality. He's like that anyway. And you <laughs> you always see that. him with a Red Bull. It feels like he doesn't need one. <laughs> he definitely doesn't need a Red Bull, believe me. But he's, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a good character around the dressing, but he's just full of energy. You know, whether it's having a laugh, whether it's, you know, in training, whether it's in games, um, and he's still got that pace, you know, even at the age of 35, he's still got that pace, you know, he's not quite as electric as he was, but he's still quick and he causes a real problem. So to have him back in the group and he's, he looks refreshed, you know, he, he he came onto the pitch with a smile on his face against Burnley. And let's be honest, it was Burnley on a Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening, it was freezing cold and he's come on with a smile he almost scored with a left foot volley where he's tried an acrobatic strike and then he scored with a header. So look, he'd be brilliant for that group, but he's a great guy, he really is. Jarvo, you're the same age as Jamie Vardy. Could you have him in a in 100 metres? <laughs> as a one-off, maybe. <laughs> no chance, I, I, I mean, the longevity that he's done it with his pace and the way he's played, and as Dee said, like the enthusiasm, the, the constantly, the work ethic and everything, uh, I take my hat off to him at 35. It's incredible. Um, and, it, and he will have that spark. I think he, the link-up with him over the last couple of years with Madison, Barnes and, and Vardy has is, is been great. So... You know, them three to be back on the pitch together, it, it, it only, it's only going to benefit Leicester going forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. That game at King Power Stadium, half 12 kickoff against Leeds United. Some of the other games taking place in the Premier League this weekend, just to keep you across them. Aston Villa play Southampton, Burnley host Chelsea, Newcastle and Brighton go toe-to-toe, whilst Norwich entertain Brentford. Wolves and Crystal Palace is also a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday, but the game we're going to discuss now takes place on Saturday night at half five. It's a big one in the fight for the top four, particularly for West Ham. 5.30 kickoff, Liverpool at Anfield. And West Ham were knocked out of the FA Cup mid week I want to focus on one of your former sides Jarvo hugely disappointing for them to one of Dean's old teams in fact Southampton knocking them out they have to focus everything now on trying to finish in in the top four don't they because I think the disappointing thing from a West Ham perspective is they've got such a good squad and they're in a good spot at the moment that it it seems a shame they couldn't capitalize on that with a decent cup run they'll be they'll be really disappointed with the result um, the other the other night with Southampton but you know, for them, you just you just hope that it's not it's not the start of the season unraveling. Um, I think for them, the Europa League, they've got a really difficult draw, but that is something that they'll they might look at and think to start concentrating on if the Premier League is going to the top four is going to be maybe out of reach. I don't know. It's going to be a tough ask for them to to do well in both competitions. You say the squads. They, they, the squads are great, great group of players. They're really the world class players. There's just not enough of them, and you you feel for them to with that they've tried in January. That there's so many reports of that what they who they were trying to get. They're trying to get Diaz. They're trying to get other players, but they didn't bring anyone in. And even sometimes just having that extra body, two bodies that come in, gives you a little bit of a push to go again for the rest of the season. I just feel like they they they're starting to look a little tired. Hopefully, they're gonna. Got, you know they're out of the cup now, so they can concentrate on the league and the Europa League. But there's going to be travelling. There's if they do well against uh, in the next round of the Europa League, tough draw against Seville. But they they're going to have to do travelling. They're going to have to concentrate on that. It's it's just I hope they don't run out of steam. And it, even if they do, it'll be a fantastic season for them. But it will just be so disappointing for them to have got this far and then just to to, to fall away at the last. Yeah, you're right. They have tailed off in recent weeks, West Ham. They did get a good result against Liverpool earlier on in the season, but it feels like Liverpool are travelling at such a pace now, Dean, that West Ham beating them this time around will be a much tougher task than it was a few months ago. Yeah, and it will be. Obviously, it'll be a different task at Anfield as well, and Liverpool are electric. They really are, and they just find ways to win. Even if they're not at their best, they find ways to win, and they're strikers. I mean... The ability those those boys have, uh, and they can score all different types of goals, um, the, the variation, the movement, but the pace they do it at is fantastic. And I think Van Dijk looks like he's back to his best as well. So defensively, they're strong. I think this will be really tough for West Ham. I really, really do. I watched them against Southampton last night, and they were good. They were okay. But I think they potentially may regret just not making the signing in January, like Matt said. You know, he, even a striker, Antonio. Like I play with Antonio, and he's a brilliant player, works all the time, but he's not prolific. You know, he's not going to get you those probably five, six goals towards the end of the season now that could get West Ham into the top four. So, I think Liverpool will win this game. It will be a, a decent game because West Ham are a strong team, but Liverpool. They just they they find a way to win, and someone was asking me the other day about the the quadruple. You know, is that possible? But they you know they've won the Carabao Cup, they're still in the FA Cup, they're challenging for the Premier League, they're going for the Champions League. Is it possible? I think potentially because you know they invested really well in January, uh, and they look like they've got a good squad of players now. They really do. Yeah, they're through to the next round of the FA Cup, the quarterfinals as well after beating Norwich midweek. So certainly plenty on the table for Liverpool. Uh, less the title race they know that they can keep pressure on Man City Jarvo with victory over West Ham especially with City going into that Manchester derby on Sunday the fact that Liverpool plays Saturday night and City plays Sunday evening one of those small things that happens in football every weekend but it can be psychologically the difference sometimes it definitely can you know that the City players are going to be watching the game they're going to know the score going into that game that if Liverpool win the pressure is going to be on them. It's, you know, you can feel it. You can go into games, you know, especially then they'll be knowing that they have to beat Man United. Then there's more pressure. Then, you know, do they just tense up a little bit, do they? Do they, with that final pass, that shot, are they snatching it for something? But it's, you know, it is one of them. West Ham is going to find it very difficult at Liverpool. Um, but 
they, Liverpool have got nothing to lose. They're the chasing pack. They're going to have to they do everything in their power to just put that every, every little bit of pressure on. And and like Dean said, the, the signings they've been have been fantastic. They Diaz looks like he's been there for three years already. Jota this season's been incredible. You know they they've got that rotation now that if they could rest Salah and and Mane and still have Firmino, Diaz and Jota up front. I mean it's. It's such a good squad of players now, so it it will be difficult. But I did find out today. I only found out today, so it was a good job this came up. Was I was actually in the last West Ham squad that won at Anfield, and that that, that hasn't happened for like forty odd years. So <laughs> what was the score? <laughs> so quite, it was three one. Do you score? 3-1. No, I didn't. Unfortunately, no. Oh, I thought you were going to pull out the stat off. and be like, "Oh, no, I scored." No, no. <laughs> there, there were two two sendings off. Yeah, Coutinho and Noble got sent off in the game. I'll go and YouTube it after this, Jarvo. Um, I just think it's interesting what you say about you know the pressure being on, but also the other way. I guess if if Liverpool don't beat West Ham, that might give Man City a bit of extra zip in the Manchester derby to go and really you know, extend their lead at the top of the table. I think the end of the Premier League season is going to be absolutely fascinating. Dean Hammond, Matt Jarvis, absolute pleasure as always to have you on the dugout. Appreciate your time. Don't forget, if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of this podcast again. Fergal and co will be back on Sunday looking back at that Manchester derby and all of the other Premier League games across the weekend. So you don't want to miss that. But from us here on this episode of the dugout, that's it. And we'll catch you again next time the dugout premier league preview football social daily with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.